Praise the Lord, everybody. I kind of am at a, at a slight loss for words because it, it, it could be said of this evening that the glory of the Lord has met us here and the glory of the Lord is meeting us here and the glory of the Lord is not done here. I was raised in a context of church where we used to do something called the holy hush of God. Or they labeled a move as the holy hush of God. You know, where, where you just wait on the Lord because the glory was so thick. My elders would teach me to do that and they'd say, just pray and just wait on Jesus. And you do that by praising, you do that by worship, and you do that by positioning your heart in posture. So I found throughout the Bible that there's nine forms of praise. Three classifications of praise. One has to do with your feet. One has to do with your hands. You know, you dance unto the Lord or you clap or you raise your hands. And, and one has to do with your mouth where you just shout and you tell of His goodness and you sing a new song unto the Lord. So I don't know what your preferred method of praise is before the Lord, but I wonder, can we wait on Him for just a second? And would you lift your hands and would you just observe the goodness of God? Father, we can't do this without you. Oh, you're holy, God. You're holy, God. You are righteous, God. There's nobody like you, God. Father, we humble ourselves in your presence, God, and we ask you meet us here tonight. We ask you, God, go home with us, God. We ask you, Lord, anoint us, God. Keep your favor, keep your power, keep your gravity, keep your authority over us, God. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Wow. This morning, I began to touch into a concept that I'm going to continue tonight. So would you say that with me one more time? When God speaks, something happens. Part two. Because I do believe what God has begun tonight, God wants to take to full completion over the next while. Because as I was praying this afternoon, I do believe there is a revival coming, but it's a very specific revival. Because I do believe that the end time revival is going to be in due to a lot of backsliders coming back to Jesus. Children that have strayed away, saints that have strayed away, and God wants to bring them back. Amen? Amen. So this morning we began to talk about how God is a jealous God, how God is a singular God and how God is a separated God. And it tied you into several blessings that come with understanding the authority of God, that he's your healer, your way maker, everything of that nature. So I said that to say, before I read my scripture and before we sit, I, I said that to say that if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, your first step in this church, your first step in the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, is to take a plunge in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Because that right there ties you into the fact that he's your healer. That right there ties you into the fact that he's your way maker. Most importantly, that takes you into salvation. Amen? Amen. Genesis chapter 1. I'm thankful to have my wife here for 27 years. I wasn't able to say that, but now I'm going to say it. I'm going to try every single time before when I step into a pulpit. I'm thankful that she gets to travel with me, and I love her very much. And I give honor to your great pastor and Sister Showstrand. They are mentors to me, and they are elders I look up to, and I've looked up to from afar. And close in certain situations and I I admire them greatly I admire their leadership and their passion for the kingdom of God aren't you thankful for your leadership so Genesis chapter 1 and starting with verse 1 you can probably recite this in your sleep that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and... And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening, and the morning, were the first day. Would you say that with me one more time? When God speaks, something happens. You may be seated in the name of Jesus Christ. Before there was something, there was someone. Go back as far as your mind will allow you to go. Millions or even billions of years. Go back beyond the creation of the world. Before the existence of matter. Before the existence of energy, space and time. And drive a stake into that specific nothingness. And you imagine and when you step into that place. Some odd things begin to happen. Because it is in that place. From behind the mysterious nothingness. That God, a benevolent creator. He comes out to greet you. The God, this God, the, the God of the Bible, he's revealed in the Bible, but I am very thankful to report this evening that God is not contained just to the pages of the Bible. Because God has always existed. God will always exist. And truthfully, God still exists. Meaning that He is able to be all-powerful today as He was all-powerful a thousand years ago. As He's going to be all-powerful a thousand years from right now. For He exists as infinite. God exists as personal. God exists as transcendent. He exists as imminent all at the same time. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17, put it this way, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In other words, there's settledness to it that your God, He is the cornerstone, yet at the very same time, He is the capstone, that He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, yet at the very same time, He is the Lamb which was slain from the foundations of the world. So my goal this evening is for you to get to understand that there is nobody like your God. 
For he's your healer, yet at the same time, he's your way maker. He's your provider, yet at the very same time, he's your defender. You cannot contain him to one operating function. And you can't tell him just how big you want him to be. Because he's going to be all he can, all the time. For he's holy, yet he's relatable. He's indescribable, yet he allows you to approach him. CAC, there is nobody like Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful this evening to know who my God is. So it is from this eternal oneness that all, other, all others derive in life. They, they, they pull their meaning, they pull their purpose from the very nature of Jesus Christ. It is from, from this matchless nature that, that everything that exists was spoken into existence for. It was all framed into existence by the image of Jesus Christ, meaning you were framed into existence with salvation already in mind. And, and that's beautiful news and that's powerful news because it does not matter what path you have taken in life, God is more than able to still redeem. God is more than able to still open doors. God is still more than able to open up a path of escape out of all the darkness. From out of the depths of his love, he spoke light into being. From, from, from out of the depths of his love, he, he separated the light from the darkness. He, he created, God created spiral galaxies that are filled with stars. And, and these stars are so grand. These stars are so powerful. These stars are so distant that you can't measure them in any other way by just saying they're, they're light years away from each other. And out of the billions of the places that God could have chosen... To bestow all of his glory, all of his majesty, all of his love, all of his creativity. Out of, out of all the places God could have chosen to show his nature to. God chose this tiny blue planet to show he is great. To show that he is powerful. To show that his love is never ending. To show that his creativity is matchless. So to this planet he gave a sun, he gave moon, he gave stars, he gave atmosphere, he gave land, he gave water, he gave oxygen, he, he just gave animals, he gave life, he gave it all. An incredible amount of beauty was bestowed upon this planet. An incredible amount of creativity was bestowed upon this planet. But all of this, and I want you to catch this this evening, all of this is but a speck on the grand platform of what God is able to do. So everything you see right here, right now, in this moment, from, from every fiber in your muscles to, to everything that's going on in life right now at this present moment, it's only a speck of what God is able to do at the command of the very Word of God. So to that question, a skeptic like myself is going to ask the question, why? Why, God, did you choose to do it the way you did it? Why, God, did you choose to bestow this much glory? Why, God, did you choose to bestow this much beauty? Why, why God, did you choose to do it the way you did it? So the psalmist would set himself out to answer the question with a declaration for, for all skeptics. For what better way to answer a skeptical question than with an irrefutable statement? And you find that in Psalm chapter 19 in verse 1, for it goes on to say that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament it shows his handiwork 
You wonder why? I wondered why. He did not create it that he might, that he might impress you. He, he did not create it that, that he might just elevate your optimism. He created it that he might showcase his authority. He, he created it that he might demonstrate his majesty. He did it that his name might be elevated on every continent. He did it that when you look up, you say, there couldn't have been any other way but by Jesus Christ. <laughs> he did it. He created you. He created the sin. He created the trees. He created your blood. He, he created everything that every time you think of it, you say, may glory that his name is mentioned. <laughs> Just tell of his goodness one more time. Amen. So the, the physician Luke in Luke 19 and when 40, he'd frame it in a different way. He'd say, I tell you that. If these should hold their peace, if we, the church, should hold our peace, the stones would immediately cry out. So on this day, I choose to join my voice with the sound of creation and magnifying the greatness of Jesus Christ. On, on this day, I choose to look at everything that God did, including myself and, and including you beautiful people under the sound of and under the authority of Jesus Christ. I, I choose to look at you and I choose to echo the voices of God by, and I choose to echo the psalmist by saying, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. So he finishes out the psalm and he goes on to say, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I came to tell you this evening that God has been mighty good to me and, and God has been mighty good to my wife and, and God has pulled us out of some miry clays and, and God has set us on some firm foundations and I'm not the only one for if we open up testimony night, somebody could testify just where God pulled them from. So I I choose to echo creation and just magnify the goodness of Jesus Christ. I, I choose to magnify the beauty of Jesus Christ. And so, at last, the pinnacle of God's creation, humans. Perhaps he created us as a testament to our inherent dignity. You know, We've said it before and we're going to continue to say it, that we save the best for last. One thing is pretty clear about how God created you and how God created me. He did not need your help. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful that God did not need my opinions on how to create what he created. Because it might sound trite and it might sound overused, but it's true nonetheless that God is God and we are not. In other words, when you approach the throne of God and when you approach the plan of God for your life and when you approach the will of God of where God wants to take you, you're going to be able to look at him and say, God, your thoughts were much deeper than my thoughts and your ways were much more broader than my ways. And, and if I tried to do it by myself I, I would have messed it up God but I'm thankful that you did not give me an opinion in how to handle my life I'm thankful that you have ushered me I'm thankful that you guided me I'm thankful that you drew me into the house of God I, I'm thankful God that you pulled me out of some messes God and I'm thankful you did not let me mess up so bad that was unredeemable God I, I'm thankful you pulled me back so God, God created absolutely everything and into this perfect garden of delight, he placed the man and he placed the woman. And, and eventually he would give them dominion over everything else in that garden, in this planet. Because here's how it worked. Here's how the divine order was to go at play. God was to rule over them. 
and they were to rule over everything else. You with me there? So you find that in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So verse 27, God created man in his own image and in the image of God created he him. Man and male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So that was divine order. God rules, man rules. But God rules in first place at all the time. But here's what happened. Time would go on and who knows exactly how long would pass, but, but the serpent would try to come in and, and he would try to derail the plan of God and he'd start questioning the authority of God and, and the will of God and, and the word of God and, and he'd start manipulating it by, by messing with that divine order thing. Trying to give them authority. Trying to give them the opinion. Trying to give them the will. Trying to give them the option to say yes or no. Try, trying to give them the option to go against God. But God still looked at them and said, I promised it all to you. Just like he promises to you today. I promise you dominion. I promise you authority. I, I promise you to be in charge of it all as long as you are submitted unto me. So here's what I came to proclaim and, and really prophesy over CAC this evening. And that is I'm not going to let something that God meant for me to have dominion over. Have dominion over me. Amen. In other words, I'm not going to let alcoholism trump me. I'm not going to let addictions trump me. I'm not going to let sickness trump me. I'm not going to let a, an ugly personality trump me. Why? Because if I'm submitted unto him, God promised that I would have authority. God promised that I would have the way. God promised I would have the, the door to be made. So I came to declare to you this evening that if we just step under the word of God and if we just step under the personality and the authority of Jesus Christ, then you are meant to be a victorious church. Huh? Then you are meant to be a powerful people. Then you are meant to be people that are walking after the will and the way of God, having dominion over everything. Amen? Amen. So it was there. It was in the garden there. They lived in unbroken intimacy with God for a while. Each other with, with the world around them. It was just a, a blissful existence. And there was just one rule. There wasn't 10 commandments. There wasn't 613 laws. There was just one rule. They were free to do anything they wanted except this one thing. Obeying the rule would serve as a reminder constantly as to who was really in charge. Their creator, the one who ruled over them, told them to avoid just one thing. Told them to avoid the tree which was at the middle. And as you could already draw the conclusion, because it, it really emulates what a child and a parent often struggle with. At the minute you tell the child not to do something, what's the first thing they're going to go do? Amen. Right? So that it really emulates the struggle that a parent and a child has that God told them not to touch the stove and, and they went on to go and touch the stove which ultimately they learned their lesson and appreciated not touching the stove any longer after a little while. So they went and touched the stove. In the commands of God you encounter structure. 
in the commands of God, you encounter boundaries, you encounter borders. Not that they might hurt you. I want you to understand that this evening, every command that God has given and every boundary that God has given over your life, it's not that it might hurt you. It's that you may live and live a life more abundantly. God created the boundaries and God created the structure and God created the order that you may have a blessed life, that you may have a fruitful life, that you may have a life that's worth living. God created it in His way to prove to you that life ought to be done God's way because when you do life God's way great things begin to happen that when you choose voluntarily to submit yourself under that structure of God you everything else when, when you choose to submit yourself under that structure you will have abundant success so Jesus he proves it really through one of his first uh Miracles when he was calling Peter and Peter the expert fisherman was was having a little problem on the sea he he wasn't able to fish for for some odd reason he was the expert he's done it for a career he knew exactly how to do it he knew exactly how to bait the fish he knew exactly how to reel them in and it just wasn't happening then in comes a carpenter the carpenter says hey why don't you just try throwing it on the other on the other side what do you know all you know to do is build benches. All you know to do is build cabinets. But at your word nonetheless, I'm going to pay attention to that. So Peter listens and Peter chooses to really shape this whole paradigm, shift, shift this whole paradigm of life. And then Peter chooses to, to throw the net on the other side of the boat. And he goes on to say, now call the other boats because, because something great just happened. There, there is a harvest happening right here because we chose to listen to the word of the carpenter. I want you to understand that when you choose to listen to the word of the king and when you choose to listen to the word of Jesus Christ, when, when you choose to submit yourself to the word of almighty God, no matter how unlikely it looks that the advice is coming, no matter how unlikely it looks for the, for the exit to happen or the deliverance to come, it shall come to pass because where the word of our God is, there is power that when God speaks it over your life, it's going to happen. All you have to choose to do is submit and say, God, I know this looks unlikely. I, I know my circumstances piled up against me, God. I know everything is hurting me, God. I, I know everybody's saying what they're saying, God, but I'm still going to choose to follow you. I, I'm still going to choose to submit myself under you, God. I'm still going to choose to listen to the unlikely word of the carpenter, believing that there is going to be a harvest. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was at the consumption of that, of that fruit of of, of that tree in the Garden of Eden, that the law of entropy would begin to become introduced into our world. And I'm going to break it down because the law of entropy suggests that when something leaves its originally meant state, its originally place of motion, it will continue to decline from that set of motion until it completely stops. You with me? In other words, if I threw a ball and rolled a bowling ball right down the aisle over here, eventually that ball is not going to have that same speed that it had from when I actually threw it. Eventually, by the time it gets to the end, it's going to go slow down until ultimately it stops. So when Adam and Eve partook of that one thing they weren't supposed to partake of, that specific law of decay or entropy would begin to become introduced into this world. For however much man may separate himself from God, 
The command of God is still true. And the command of God is still arguable that man is still created in the image of God. And I'm going to build this up for just a minute. And then, and then I do believe what I heard from God that we're going to have a powerful demonstration of apostolic authority in this altar. That if you have a situation and you're under the sound of my voice, God has come to meet you tonight. But I need to build a principle right quick. The way God's creation of humans is described is special. It's unique among all of other God's creations. For only humans can bear the image of God. Only humans can bear the pattern of God. And as such, they are to be valued above all other forms of creation. That is why in Genesis, we look at Genesis as a window. We look at Genesis as a lens through which we see our world. It's our place in this world, and it's how we interpret the rest of the Bible. Yes, you find your interpretation of the Word of God throughout the book of Genesis. It's your divine right as a child of God to step open and step into every prophetic promise that is within the book of Genesis. In other words, God promised Abraham blessing. God promised Abraham the stars. God promised Abraham the sand. God, God promised Abraham a fruitful future. And you as the children of Abraham, you as the children of Jesus Christ, you have the right to step into those promises if you choose to do so. So Genesis, we look, we look through it. Rarely do you look at Genesis. Genesis sets the parameters of our faith. It establishes the environment by which we learn to actually believe God. It establishes the parameters by which you choose to say, God, you are truly God and there is nobody like you. And in Genesis, we, we contrast where we came from. And in Genesis, you contrast it with where you are going. For I dream one day to go on to heaven. I dream one day to have an eternity with my creator. I dream one day to have an eternity with the one who saved my soul. So God shows you that he'll pull you out of the chaos that you were born into. And God shows you that he's going to pull you along and he's going to walk you into a promised land. God shows you throughout the book of Genesis that, that where God found you, God is not going to leave you. That when you choose to walk with Jesus Christ, you're stepping into a journey with your God. Aren't you thankful that we're where God found you, God did not leave you. For God found some of you as alcoholics. God found some of you as drug addicts. God found me as a Trinitarian unbeliever. God found me in a place where I just did not believe. But I'm very thankful that God did not leave me where he found me. I'm thankful that God is a God of progress. I'm thankful that where God found me, say, just walk with me a little while and I'll show you a fruitful finish. So by the time Genesis was written, lots of history had already taken place. Adam and Eve, creation, the fall, murder, exile, construction, destruction, famines, floods, it all happened before Genesis was ever written. Before Genesis was written down, Father Abraham and his frustrating walk of faith had already come and gone. Before Genesis was ever written, Isaac had already been rescued, Jacob had already been lamed, Joseph had already been sold, all before Genesis was ever written. Genesis, the place where patterns are established. Genesis, the place where parameters are set in place. The family had already become a nation. 400 years, the Israelites languished under slavery, under the oppression of the Egyptian taskmasters, all before Genesis was ever written. 
As far as we know, the plagues were visited upon the Egyptians. The Red Sea was already parted. The, the law was already given. The golden calf was already formed and destroyed. The spies were, uh, were convinced that invading the land would, would derail their destiny. All, all of that happened before Genesis was ever written. Genesis is written to remind us of, of what had happened. What God has done and how God intends and how God interacts with his people, with you, his children. This is a reminder of three vitally important principles that I'm getting ready to build. First of which, scripture is always a means to a greater end. That where God found you, I just said it, God will not leave you. Genesis builds the principle that if God found you in pain, if God found you in brokenness, if God found you in destruction, if God found you when you could not find a way out of it yourself, scripture builds that principle that God will not leave you there that you will be able to echo what David echoed in Psalm 23 that yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will not fear any evil why because he's walking with you so in Genesis you begin to get that life song of David and hold it very close to you because you're able to say God you found me in chaos God you found me in trouble but if I if I just walk with you a little bit longer your word's going to reveal a path unto me and your word is going to light up the past so principle two scripture corrects it reveals it instructs and it blesses if done in that order <laughs> scripture corrects it reveals it instructs and it blesses in three scripture establishes patterns which carry us to the finality of life for no man can alter the pattern of God I want you to catch that with me tonight CAC that no matter how bad we messed up, it can't derail God's destiny over your life. No matter what you've come in contact with in this day, you cannot mess up what God's future is over your life. That if God has spoken healing over your life, you're going to be healed. If God has spoken promise over your life, you're going to have the fulfillment of the promise. If God has said he's going to bring...